Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see changed lives, and we hope this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy the message. Well, before we dive into the sermon today, a huge celebration, enormous celebration. Last month, we partnered with the Elizabeth New Life Center on Bottles for Babies, raising money to help uh, unborn babies and moms who are in a really crisis time of their life. And so between our two campuses, we have a Piqua, Ohio, and a Troy, Ohio campus. Your generosity, we raised over $10,000. No matter where you are, give God a big clap. (laughs) Big yay, God, on that. That is uh, uh, many babies and many young mothers who are going to receive life, get life, get counseling, get help that they need. Uh, One of the things here at the Valley Church, if you're new with us, is we believe that we don't just talk and think and sing about the things of Jesus. We do what Jesus told us to do. And this is one of the things Jesus told us to do was to help those who are hurting, to help those in need, and to help the most vulnerable. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Give some heart emojis if you're on Facebook or some, some you know, yay gods on, on Facebook. We're just so um, thrilled. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for loving people. Well, I have a confession to make as we get started with this second week of this Family Foundation series. Um, This is a topic today that I don't know if I even really wanted to be here today. Um, It's it's probably the hardest topic to preach on. Um, There's so much hurt around this topic. There's so much um, pain around this topic. Uh, The topic that we're going to look at today is divorce. I know some of you watching today have gone through a divorce, you're going through a divorce, you're thinking about getting divorced. Some of you have incredible hurt from divorce. Maybe it wasn't even your own, but you were a child uh, that experienced it with your parents. Some of you have immense shame uh, over a failed marriage. Uh, the other reason that this just weighs on me so much, and this is such a hard message to preach, is I want to do God honor, as always, but especially in this area. I want to, to show you exactly what Jesus has to say about divorce. I don't want to sugarcoat anything. I want to be crystal clear God's heart for this, but I also love you. Even though I don't know you, uh, you matter to me, you matter to our staff, you matter to the Valley Church, and we want to teach this in such a way that is incredibly loving, but also filled with truth and God's grace. I've never been divorced. Uh, I don't have an ax to grind on this one. In fact, uh, I don't, divorce is not something even that's happened in my immediate family. Uh, my parents have been married almost 50 years, my grandparents on both sides until death separated them were married over 60 years. Aunts and uncles have been married for a long time, uh, my brother. And so um, in some ways, I'm in, in a lot of ways, I'm incredibly blessed uh, and incredibly thankful for that model of marriage and that commitment to marriage of longevity. But at the same time, I, I really don't know your pain. I haven't experienced that personally. Now, I have met with many, many people over the years uh, going through really hard times in marriage or those who have come out of divorce or those looking at a second marriage who 
obviously the first one didn't work. And so uh, today I just want to have a lot of empathy for you, but we also want to be crystal clear on what Jesus had to say on this topic. Uh, Last week I mentioned, and if you missed the sermon last week, I'd encourage you to check that out. We talked about singleness, but more so, even broader than for those who are watching that are single, even for us who are married, that God um, tells us to take it slow, to not rush into this. Marriage is a serious thing, as we're going to look at today. But in in 10 years of ministry, we make premarital counseling such a huge deal that uh, one of my one of my most proud, not as a pride, but just proud in general, is that uh, no one that I have married has been divorced or gotten divorced yet, and hopefully never. Uh, that's a big deal to us at the Valley Church. Uh, I want to be a church that divorce just doesn't happen. I want to be a church that we prepare people before they get married to know what this is and what it is not. And for some, maybe to choose not to get married because they realize that they're not ready or maybe never really willing to make that lifelong commitment to someone. And so that's our hope around here. Uh, We are determined to see marriages work, to see you prepared for marriage. And I want today us to really lean into what Jesus says about divorce. Not what I think or what I believe or anything of that fact. In fact, uh, whatever my opinions are or whatever your opinions are, are irrelevant. The only thing that matters on this topic is what Jesus has to say is what God has to say on this topic. It's been said that most marriages start out as ideal, they become an ordeal, and pretty soon we are looking for a new deal. Now, I'm not going to be able to answer all your questions today. In some cases, you might feel like, man, why didn't he cover that? Why didn't he cover that? I still want to know this. Well, you know, feed those questions into us. Maybe I can do some videos or something uh, throughout the week. We only have about 25 more minutes, so I'm not going to cover everything. I'd encourage you, actually, to dive into this, to dive into God's Word for yourself and, and, and discover what God says about marriage, what He says about divorce. I do feel a sense of urgency, though, on this topic. More marriages than ever are struggling. Uh, the last year uh, and everything that's come with that has, made so, has created so much more stress, so much more strain, so, much more ch- so many more challenges in marriage. The divorce rate continues to be astronomically high. And so there is an urgency to teach what's God say about this. Why is marriage so vital? Why is divorce such a terrible thing? And why does he desperately not want myself or you to have to experience that kind of pain? We're going to dive right into Matthew chapter 5. You'll see the verses on the screen. And we're going to start in verse 21 of chapter 5, verse 31 of chapter 5. This is Jesus speaking. He says, It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for marital unfaithfulness, causes her to commit adultery. And anyone who marries a woman so divorced commits adultery. Now, it's important to understand that in that culture, only a man was allowed to divorce a wife. wife. A wife was never allowed to divorce a man. And things have gotten so messed up 
on this concept of marriage and, and then of divorce, that men were divorcing their wives for any reason. She burnt the toast, divorced. I don't like her hair, divorce. Some other girl catches my eye, divorce. And so this was a huge, huge issue in the first century. Now, Jesus is saying to them, he's essentially saying, you think you are righteous because you are quote-unquote legal in your divorcing your wife. But your attitude and that approach only spreads sin all around. In fact, he then says, well, everyone, everyone becomes an adulterer when they get remarried. Now, you, you read this, and you're like, that seems so unreasonable, it's like he gave three big sentences on this topic, and then he moves on. You can look in your own Bibles. Then he moves on to oaths and an eye for an eye and love your enemies. It's like you gave three, like, I don't know. I'm reading this. I'm like, wow, like, Jesus, you didn't pull any punches on this one. And then he just moves on to a top, another topic. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, are like the same thing. Whoa, Jesus, whoa, like, what is going on here? In fact, it bothered them so much, we know that it bothered them so much that they came back to Jesus later and they re-engaged this concept of divorce and this, these words that Jesus had said a little bit earlier. Now, before we get into that passage in Matthew chapter 19, a little context is important to Herod. Herod, who was the ruler of that region, had actually married his sister-in-law. And to marry his sister-in-law, she divorced or was divorced then from his brother, or he forced his brother essentially to get a divorce. And so in that context, John the Baptist is preparing the way for Jesus's ministry, and he calls out Herod for this, for this action. He said, it's not right. In fact, it's not legal. It's not lawful. It's not to be recognized. And he would not recognize Herod's marriage to Herodias, his sister-in-law. That inflamed Herod, and we think all the time that if you know the story of, of John the Baptist being put in prison and then beheaded at the bequest of Herod, that it was because of him getting ready for Jesus or him, you know, him you know, messing with the social norms or him talking about this new kingdom or whatever. That wasn't what fired Herod up. What fired Herod up, what, what ended up having John lose his head was over John condemning Herod for this divorce and then marrying his sister-in-law. And so the, uh, the Pharisees, who really did not like Jesus, which is an understatement, wanted to trap him. And they wanted to trap him thinking, if we can get him to agree with John and say publicly that he agrees with John and how John's approaching this with Herod, then we can get this guy killed and get his head lopped off just like John's was. And so we're going to be in this encounter then starts in verse 19 with that context. Some of the Pharisees came to him, being Jesus, to test him. And they asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? In other words, they're asking, what, what loophole? Where's the loophole, Jesus? Where's the loophole? How can we get out of a marriage? How can we divorce? How can I get out of the marriage I'm in? How can I get out of a future marriage? Jesus, how can I justify the marriage that I'm not in anymore, the divorce that I previously had? 
Now, the reality is if you come to Scripture, if you and I come to Scripture looking for a loophole for divorce, you won't find it. You will not find it. And we're going to look at that today. Jesus doesn't answer the question. In fact, as he always does, he asks another question. He's saying, guys, you're asking the wrong question. He said, it's, it's, he's, this is not a circumstance issue. Divorce is not a circumstance issue, guys. It's not if this happens or that happens or whatever happens, then divorce is okay with God. He's, Jesus is saying that train, that train of thought, that loophole, that looking for some way out, that's a train to nowhere. That's, that's not how my father set this up. And so he takes them back and we look at verse four of chapter 19. He says, haven't you read? I put in the slide, you'll see there like a pinch, like haven't you read? Like you guys are the religious leaders. You've read the Bible. You teach the Bible. You tell everyone else they should know the Bible. Haven't you read? He replied that at the beginning, the creator being my dad, the creator God made them male and female. And he said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. Jesus is saying, guys, the, the right question is, what does God the Father, the creator, the originator, the designer of marriage, what does he say? What's his opinion on this topic? Because his opinion is the only opinion that matters. What does God say the purpose of marriage is? How does he understand marriage? How does he understand divorce? Now, the Pharisees were more likely thinking, uh, what? <laughs> That's not the question we asked you. We said, under what circumstances can we get out? You did not address this. And Jesus is saying, you won't even ask that question or you wouldn't even ask that question if you understood what God's design was. In other words, you don't need to go back to Moses on this. You need to go back to God the Father. You need to go back to the one who designed it. In other words, you're looking in the wrong place for the answer. The answer is with God. And here is the answer. God said it himself. The two will become one. Two will become one. Now this is foundational, this is vital, this is something you might wanna write on your forehead backwards so you see it every day. What you'll see on the screen right now. The goal of marriage is not to become one. The result of marriage is oneness. This is huge, okay? This is God, the one who created it, saying this. The purpose of marriage, the result of marriage is oneness. In other words, when you got married at that ceremony, no matter where it was, whether it was in a church, whether it was at an outdoor venue, whether it was at a justice of the peace, doesn't matter. God was present at that ceremony. You might have had someone officiating it, but there was a greater officiant over that. God was presiding over that, and he stamped and he sealed in that moment when that final kiss was made after that pronouncement was made that you are one. He sealed it like glue together. There's a spiritual bond in God's 
mind and God's perspective, which again, we got to remember, that's the only one that matters. From God's perspective, this isn't some contract. This is a covenant. The two are now welded together instantly in that moment. There's a very, very deep spiritual union that now exists. And here's the deal. God's the one who did that. You think you're the ones who got married. You think you're the ones, because they'll say, and now Mrs. and Mr. and Mrs. so-and-so. God did the oneness for you. God, that's why we then say a little later what we're actually in that passage. Therefore, what who? What God has joined together, let no one separate. Let man not separate. See, that's marriage. Marriage is a sacred and holy joining together. You may not have known that was happening. You may not have understood that was happening. You may be not even sensed that was happening. It doesn't matter. That is what happened. God sealed those two together and made you. He made you one. God's math works different. I'm going to blow up what you've always been taught in elementary school. God's math functions like this. One plus one equals one. He has sealed you together. He has made you one in that moment of the ceremony. God has joined together. Notice what it says. God has joined together. Marriage is God's. It's not ours. We think everything is ours. The sooner we realize that nothing is ours, it's all God's, you will develop greater peace. And we're all on that journey. He created it. He came up with the idea. Marriage is his. This is what God does when two people are married. It's not what any person does. Do you see why I'm establishing this right now? This is what God established. Not you, not me, not your spouse. God has established you as one. Let man not separate. In fact, you'll see this on the notes in front of you. Marriage is God's. You can't unone what God has made one. We are not in authority to attempt to undo what God does. Jesus' teaching here in Matthew 19 is to sober us up on God's view of marriage, to make it crystal clear who originated this and what it's all about. It's also to sober us up on whether we should get married, to be frank with you. See, if, if you see marriage as God sees marriage, you're going to think twice, you're going to think thrice, you might think a thousand times before marrying someone. That's why I talked about last week, one of the big takeaways on singleness was take your time. Get to know the person. Get to know them when they're in tough circumstances. Get to know their heart as well as you possibly can because when you move from that time to married, in God's mind, you are now one. His mind's the only one that matters. And what he put together 
Let no one, let no human being break apart. The reality is that divorce is not a legal issue. Divorce is a heart issue. We have so missed this. We think that divorce is a legal matter because we bring lawyers into it, because we bring documents into it, because we bring a judge into it. This is not a legal matter, folks. This is a heart issue. This is a heart situation. They're not satisfied with Jesus' answer, and maybe you aren't right now either, and I can understand that. I'm with you. I can, I can get that. So they ask another question. They said, well, why then, why then did Moses command a man to give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Now what they're up to, the Pharisees were shrewd people. They're trying to pit Jesus against Moses now. Moses is like the man, right? He is the man of the Old Testament. If he goes against Moses and what Moses said, they're going to have him on trial for heresy and all kinds of crazy things. Jesus replied, well, Moses permitted, and I put in quotes, he never commanded. He permitted you to divorce your wives. Why? Not because of any circumstances, not because of anything she did, not because someone else caught your eye, not because it got tough, because your hearts were hard. He goes on to say, but it was not this way from the beginning. In other words, divorce is not God's will or his plan. Hearts were hard. Hearts were hard. This is a huge statement. I reiterate again, divorce is not a legal or a circumstantial issue. It is a heart issue, a heart issue. Divorce happens because of hard hearts. I think everyone listening would probably agree. You might not be the person with the hard heart, but if I define hard heart, and it is defined as this, stubborn, stiff-necked, unbelieving, disobedient, unrepentant, or sinful. The analogy of a hard heart is like a rock, actually. It's an individual who has no, no feeling, kind of like a piece of stone. Hard-hearted. In fact, the most dreaded condition a marriage can get to is the point of hard-heartedness. It's stress factors that happen in a marriage and you don't deal with them. There's a little bit of a drifting of affection, but you don't either realize or care to come closer together, give attention to it. There's little bits of hostility that can build up and you... You ignore it or you don't act on it. I mean, these are real, right? I mean, I'm married. I've been married almost eight years. These are all things that can happen, right? Some stress fractures, some drifting of affection, some, some anger, some hostility, some frustration. And when you and I don't deal with those, when we don't have those conversations with our spouse, when we don't investigate our own heart to see if there's any hard-heartedness, I know mine hardens pretty stinking fast sometimes. It will create fractures and fractures and divisions and then that hard-heartedness can set in you drift a little bit farther apart you communicate a little bit less you become a little less less tender you become less forgiving and understanding you fall into this terminal condition that the bible calls hard-heartedness something 
snaps with inside of you at some point, and whether you say it out loud or not, you say, I don't really give a rip anymore. I don't care, don't care about them. I don't care that I'm hurting them. I don't care that we're not communicating. I don't care that we don't have uh, that affection for one each other. I don't care if I, she doesn't, I don't care about forgiving her or him forgiving me or me seeking forgiveness. In fact, sometimes we even get to the full bent of it where we wish them ill. We, We don't want to see them succeed. And we say, we're done with this. People sometimes ask, well, What's the rule on this? How, how can I get out of my marriage and God be okay with it? And Jesus is telling us right here that first and foremost, marriage is a heart issue. It's a heart issue. The successful intimate marriage is about the state of our heart. The state of our heart towards ourselves. It has to deal with our attitude and with our posture towards our spouse. Now, some of you know this hard-hearted thing in a big way, in spades, if you will. Uh, you were married, and you didn't want a divorce. Your heart did not harden. Your spouse's heart continued to harden, and, and you tried everything. They shut you out. They shut God out. They may have even become abusive, and, and the marriage ended, and Here's what I want you to know today. God knows your heart. And you need to start becoming at peace. You need to give yourself some slack. You need to be gracious to yourself. He he knows you didn't want that marriage to fall apart. So stop beating yourself up. Stop beating yourself up and receive his healing that only he can provide. He goes on in verse 9 and says this, I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness and marries another woman commits adultery. You mean I get, I get divorced and I'm committing adultery? Well, uh, I'll, I'll try to answer that here in just a minute, but let me say something else first. Jesus is not saying that if adultery get divorced... He's not commanding people to get divorced if there's sexual immorality in your your marriage. He would rather see people work towards reconciliation and restoration. In fact, there's many, many, many cases, some of you watching are likely those cases, that your marriage now is stronger than it ever was before. I mean, there was a serious pain, there was a serious betrayal There was incredible hurt. Again, I haven't experienced that, so I can't imagine how hard that was. But there was a softening of the heart of the person who walked away, who betrayed that commitment. And there was a decision between the two of you to get help, to work on this, to seek repentance, to seek healing. And now your marriage is stronger than ever before. Now, he, he is saying that if there was adultery that took place and that if this becomes a habit or if this becomes a lifestyle, then, then you can divorce. But this passage is obviously pretty controversial. We don't have the time to go into all the layers of details. There's some who 
We'll argue this passage that says that Jesus is saying that all marriage is, is adul- remarriage is adultery. There's others who say no. That's not quite what he meant. And the, the best I can say with, with, with pretty strong clarity is, is at a minimum, he's saying if you're married and your eye catches another person with the intent of, of leaving that marriage relationship for that person, or even if maybe there's not a person that exists, but in your heart, you are open and willing to leave that marriage for another person, then yeah, if you marry that person even after you're divorced from your current spouse, that yes, you are committing adultery. You've committed adultery in your heart already. Jesus says if you looked at a woman lustfully, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Then I would say yes, at a bare minimum, that's what he's saying, that yes, in that case, that circumstances, both are committing adultery with each other. So why stay married? Why stay married when there is so much hurt and so much pain and all kinds of tough issues that right now as you're listening to me today seem so unresolvable? The first is this. The two became one. You are one. You are bonded together by God. He wants to take two sinful, people with baggage, people with flaws and hang-ups and hurts and wounds and scars and dents. And he wants to take the two of you and develop a level of intimacy and oneness that you can't do on your own. None of us can do on our own. That's why God does it for us. The second is that you matter to God And divorce is so painful, and it's so tragic. Why stay together? That's why. Jesus said, I hate divorce. Now, he doesn't hate divorced people. He hates the heartache, and he hates the anguish and the tragic nature of divorce. Divorce breaks his heart because it breaks your hearts, and it breaks the hearts of people that you love. I want you to know this, that if you've been divorced, God is not mad at you. He's not mad at you, but his heart is broken because he never wanted that to happen. You didn't want that to happen, I'm guessing, but God so desperately does not want to see that happen. So where do we go from here? When's this going to stop? When is it going to stop of seeing marriages torn apart and families split and children separated and pain and hurt and all that? It's going to stop, ladies and gentlemen, when followers of Jesus Christ say, we are going to draw a line in the sand and we're going to stop this. We are not going to allow ourselves to get divorced. We are going to fight for our marriage. We are not going to let our hearts get hardened. We're going to stay so committed to to Jesus Christ. We're going to stay, stay so committed to the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, the local church, that we are not going to let this happen. We're going to draw a line in the sand. Now you're listening. You're saying, Mark, this is awfully difficult. <laughs> this is hard, man. If Jesus know, knew what was going on in my house right now, I don't know if he would tell us to do this. I, I want you to know he knows. He knows. 
God never tells us to do something without giving you and I the grace to do it. I'm going to say that again. God never tells us to do something without giving us the grace to do it. The grace to face the truth. The grace to face the truth and say, I was wrong. The grace to face the truth, to deal with the hard conversations. See, grace is God. It's God's presence and his power working for you. We need to humbly cry out to God, some of us, and ask him for forgiveness. Ask him to cleanse our heart. Ask him to give us a new heart. And ask for his power to be exhibited in our lives so that we can fight for our marriages and so we can change our hearts. See, Jesus is not out to condemn us, but he must pick up the pieces. He's going to give you the grace to stay in that marriage. Now, in some cases, it might not be safe to stay in the house. That's not what I'm talking about. It, it might be most wise and most safe to, to move somewhere else. But that doesn't mean you're divorced. How much do you trust God? How much do you trust that he can change someone's heart? How much do you trust that he is fighting like none other because he put you together he, he, or he created the oneness that he's fighting for that marriage and putting those pieces and restoring those things. Ask for his power to soften your heart. Ask for, and for his power to give you the wisdom and the ability to love when it doesn't seem like that person is lovable at all. The last thing I want to talk on is the question of what about remarriage? Maybe you divorced when you didn't know Jesus. Maybe you made every attempt at reconciliation. The other person signed off on it. I don't know all your circumstances, but what about remarriage? What, what, how do you know? Well, I wrote down, what, six different when questions. I'm going to just read them to you. When you have owned your part in your marital breakup, and you've repented of that, if, the, if need be. When you have exist, exhausted the possibilities of reconciliation with your ex. I don't know why it is, but we, we just, in this area, don't think that God's big enough. <laughs> We don't think, we just don't think he can fix, we don't think he can put the pieces back together. Have you exhausted the process of reconciliation with your ex? When you've been honest with yourself, stop blaming your ex and you put it all on the table and ask what really went wrong and how have I contributed to that and how have I changed? When you've received counseling, have you sought help? Have you sought help individually and in, in expert godly advice? Have you done it as a couple? Did you fight for that marriage, again, that God put together as one? When you've had plenty of time to heal and recover. I see it so often. People will jump right back in to a dating relationship or another marriage, and there's been no healing. There's been no recovery. And not surprisingly, that next marriage doesn't last very long. And finally, when you have taken plenty of time to make a prayerful and wise decision on who you think or who you're thinking of marrying. 
I've spoken to, to many in big messes over the years. Um, and there's sometimes as I'm listening to them, I, I, I want to say, just kick the bum out or just kick the bum ass if there is such a thing out. But I won't do that. I will never, ever, ever, ever counsel for divorce, even in some of the worst circumstances. I'll counsel to get out, to move out. I've told people uh, I will love you no matter what happens, but if you're looking for me to give you permission to do that, I just can't do that. Scripture is very clear that I have no right to do that. In fact, I would counsel others of you to, you'd be wise to do as to, to do as I do in this case, maybe not every case, but I would in this case, uh, don't be telling people what you think they ought to do. Uh, you're not smart enough, I'm not smart enough, and we're not discerning enough to know all that. In some cases, that will come back to bite you, and in fact, you and I could be counseling against God's will. So as we wrap up, what about some of you listening today, man, you are really struggling. I mean, it's hard. It's brutal. You think you're headed to a point of no return. What, 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 should, you, what should you do? I would say this. Slow down. Slow down. And soften your heart towards God. And ask him for the grace to soften your heart towards your spouse. And, and, and see, this is supernatural stuff. This is maybe why we don't lean in it. And then forgive. <laughs> like, Mark, I can't forgive. You're right, you can't forgive. <laughs> only through God's power, only through his grace can you forgive. And forgive again, and maybe forgive again. What I would counsel you to do, if we're looking at this as a big counseling session right now, I would, I would counsel you to tear down every wall of hostility. Every barrier, everything that you've erected, everything that you've put in place, and tear it down from your side at least, and do everything you can spiritually and relationally, and then let God do the work. Trust him. He's fighting harder for this than you ever will. Trust him to do the work. You've got to honestly say that you have done every single thing possible to fight for this marriage. Speaking of that, there's a marriage retreat coming up at the end of April. You'll see the details on a slide on your screens right now. There's some of you watching today, you need to sign up now. Go to that website Enter the promo code. If money's an issue, talk to our host right now. They can give you my email, my, my number for texting, and we'll pay for you to go there. But you and your spouse need to humble yourselves. You need to admit that it's not going great, and you need to fight for it, and you need to get help. If you, we have different folks here at our church who have done marriage counseling before. Let one of the hosts know, shoot me an email, shoot me a text message. Let me know. If you need help, we want to get you that help. We want to be a church where people understand that on the day of their marriage, and I'm actually officiating a marriage in a few hours this afternoon, that when that marriage ceremony is complete, they are now one. We want to be a church 
where everyone listening, everyone who's a part of us, whether you're out there or whether you join us on site, knows that marriage is one when it happens because God says it is. It's a really big deal and it's not meant to be entered into lightly. And here, this is a big, holy, audacious goal, but why not? We want to be a church where divorce doesn't happen. We can't change the past, and you can't change the past. That's what we talked about on Easter. But you can start fresh and, and have a new ending. We want to be a church, and I believe this will, I want to be a church, just like in the past 10 years of everyone I've married, and we want to be a church where divorce does not happen. For those who are currently married, who's those who are going to get married in the future, even for our kids and teens who are going to get married in a decade or more from now, that they have such a rooted understanding of, of biblical knowledge of marriage, and they are so committed and their hearts are so soft towards Jesus Christ that marriage does not happen. Can you, can you imagine? Can you imagine being part of a church where like, we don't have, divorces don't happen. Starting today on April 18th, I think that's the date, that marriage, there will be no marriage associated with the Valley Church that ends in divorce from this day forward. How awesome would that, that's how big our God is. Why couldn't he do that? We will fight for marriage. We will fight for marriage. We will fight for your marriage because Jesus Christ is fighting for your marriage too. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I pray for those right now who are who don't feel any way out. They feel like they're in a tunnel and it's just collapsing on top of them. God, that they would just cry out to you. They would ask you, as the psalmist did, to search their heart and find out if there's anything offensive in their heart or is there anything in their heart that has gotten hardened. God, I pray for any spouses right now whose hearts have hardened. God, that you would meet them right where they are. Maybe they're at a bar right now. Maybe they're watching TV. Maybe they're sleeping. But God, you would meet them right where they are right now. Your spirit would show up in that place and you would grip them. You would grip them right now. You would grip their heart. And God, you would bring them to their knees in such a, 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 a state of repentance, of sorrow, of godly sorrow. It says, the Bible tells us that godly sorrow leads to repentance. God, that there would be heart transformation. We would move past this crazy idea of marital circumstances and we would get to the root issue, which is always the heart. God, I pray we drive a stake in the ground right now for marriage here at the Valley Church, that what you put together, that what you made as one, let man, let no man separate. God, we ask that you would supernaturally work in all of our marriages, all of our future marriages, so that we don't see any more divorces here. And to you, God, be all the glory, to you, God, be all the praise, and to you be all the honor, because you're the one who makes that happen. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app to stay connected with all things The Valley. And if today's message impacted you, share it with a friend, because changed lives change lives.